now available during race weeks. Gerhard Berger, Andrew Shufflin and Andreas Seidel. This is F1 Nation. And after that race, I think we need a montage. The five lights are out and we're underway for Formula One in 2020. It's Max Verstappen. Red Bull's main hope in the race is coming to a halt. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get it out of there. The gap has disappeared. Safety car deployed. And that could be contacted. Is Round goes Sebastian Vettel. Kimi Raikkonen's had a massive crash. He's trying to go round the outside and Hamilton's hit him again. Lewis Hamilton is given a five second penalty. Charles Leclerc is sensing second place here. Norris and Perez. Lucky to keep the front wheel attached when you pass like that. Valtteri Bottas wins the Austrian Grand Prix. Norris gets on the podium. What an incredible, incredible race. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is our first Tuesday F1 Nation, and this is the future. This is our regular slot, and it's great to have you with us. My name's Tom Clarkson. And my name is Alex Jakes. And we had one hell of an Austrian Grand Prix at the weekend. And let's pick our highlights, Alex. What was it for you? Lando Norris's last lap, absolutely outrageous. One lap against the clock to try and beat the reigning champion and then to pull it off. That was true, true Formula One magic. Alex, have you heard the radio chat that was going on between Lando and his engineer, Will Joseph, on that lap? It's so intense, so intense isn't it? And pre- you know, use the overtake button on the e- on the exit of turn four, and for five seconds on the run down to turn nine. You know, it was a real team effort. Single press and overtake here, and out of turn three, out of turn eight. Press and hold overtake for five seconds. Give it everything. Out of the last corner as well. Overtake. Lando. The gap to Hamilton was four point eight. Four point eight. I think that's a podium, mate. I think that's a podium. Well, we can't play you the full team radio because otherwise, well, you know. He got pretty excited and deservedly so. Tom, your highlight from the race. It's not so much the race, AJ, as just the race weekend, because this is without a doubt the most extraordinary Grand Prix I have ever attended. Behind closed doors, as we all know, and not having a crowd was a big negative, actually. I, I noticed it much more than I was expecting to. It felt like winter testing in Barcelona, really, you know, just silence the drivers come out into the pit lane you know on their way around to the grid absolute pin dropping silence from the grandstand so I really noticed that but I have to say also there are a lot of positives as well because it felt like Formula One how I imagine it was back in the 60s because cut away the celebrity and you were left with just the hardcore racing fraternity. People in the paddock and the pit lane were only there to run the cars. There were none of the VIPs. It was just pure racing all weekend. And, you know, one of the drivers, I'm going to save his blushes, but I, I, I said to him, uh, just bumping into him in the paddock, how, how is it for you? And he said, loving it, mate. There's none of the BS. <laughs> <laughs> the BS is what pays his salary, I might add. But um, I really noticed that aspect of it you know the teams you know the big teams like Mercedes and Ferrari normally bring 130 people to a Grand Prix they were shaved right back to 80 people and um, as a result it was very relaxed in the paddock just everyone there wanted to talk about the cars and what was going on on track and that was that was quite refreshing actually I must say and AJ just one thing from the race because you had your race highlight I'm going to pick Charles Leclerc what a sensational effort from him 
You know, if that team is on the back foot. Ferrari are in real trouble at the moment. Nine-tenths slower in qualifying yeah. than they were this time last year. And that guy embarrassed his four-time world championship teammate. There's no other way of putting it. And uh, just didn't put a foot wrong all weekend. He was positive when it would have been so easy to be negative. And I just loved seeing him grow within that team. He's got that five-year deal in his back pocket. He knows that Vettel is off at the end of the year and he's just grown as a, uh, he's a year older, of course, and these guys are so young that that makes quite a big difference, but he's just grown so much within himself, within the team, much like actually uh, Lando Norris at McLaren. Whilst you were speaking there about Charles Leclerc, I remembered his answer to you in the Thursday press conference. Uh, and that was another highlight because we didn't know how it was going to look. It's worth saying, I'm not in Austria. Tom is in a hotel room in Austria whilst we record this. I spent the weekend at Formula One's headquarters. So we're all waiting to see what the press conference looked like. It flashes up on the screen. It looked momentarily like you'd kidnapped the driver. <laughs> I felt like I was in a dungeon right at the bottom of the media center. Uh, I tell you, it was a busy day Thursday, Alex, because uh, for the first time ever, we had all 20 drivers through, team by team. It was Noah's Ark. Through they came. It felt quite thorough, actually, a real belt and braces job because there were no journalists on site. Or I think we had 20 but normally there's 350. There was an obligation from the FIA and FOM just to give as much information for, to the journalists as possible. So we had all of them through. But Charles Leclerc, yeah. he was so realistic even then, wasn't he? Saying, no, we're, we're in trouble. And you knew from that point, if you're saying it on a Thursday, the data that they've seen is not particularly great. The other highlight, so a strange situation. Uh, it's the first time I've ever done an F2, F3 opener of the season and not been on site. That's a very strange thing. And honestly, two times I went to look round my commentary monitor just from muscle memory to look out the window only to be greeted by a concrete <laughs> wall. So I got out of the habit of that fairly early on. But the highlight has to be, and I know many of you out there have already clocked it, see if you can tell when Martin Brundle ends... And Alex Brundle begins. And Lewis then with DRS. He's going to be in great shape when it comes to the breaking zone of turn four. He might even be in third place. And he is. Yes. Hello, everybody. And man, I'm so excited to see race cars back on the racing surface again. However, sportingly wet it is <laughs> for the absolute first session back. Well, I'm going to need your help there, Alex. I can't tell the difference. I suppose Alex is a couple of octaves higher, isn't he? But... Well, Tom has taken a quick break to breathe in some mountain air, and it gives me an opportunity to tell you about our friends at ExpressVPN. Now, there are always going to be times when you have to use the internet to search for something that might be a little bit delicate. Maybe you want to buy a new pair of trainers, but you don't want to see an advert for that pair of trainers on every website you use for the next week. Now, I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? Well, let me tell you something incognito mode does nothing doesn't hide your activity doesn't matter what mode you use how many times you clear your browsing history your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited and that is why if you're at home got to go online using expressvpn it doesn't matter where in the world you are your internet service provider can legally sell your information to ad companies ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure service, so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. 
Most of the time, you wouldn't even realize that you have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do, tap one button, you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. There is no excuse for you not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. You can visit the exclusive link expressvpn.com F1N and you get three extra months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash F1N. Visit expressvpn.com slash F1N to learn more. And we've got some more great stuff coming your way now because uh, we are joined by a 10-time Grand Prix winner, a man who raced in 210 races. Are you with me yet? Well, we're in Austria for the Austrian Grand Prix. So, of course, we've caught up with Gerhard Berger. Gerhard, are you there? It's great to have you with us. Can we start by talking about your old team? Ferrari. I just um, want to say I had so many old teams, but are you, are you mean Ferrari? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> what is up with your old team? I mean, yes, Charles Leclerc finished second, but there's no hiding from the fact that they were nine tenths slower in qualifying than they were at this track last year. What's your assessment of what's going on there? Um, we all know that there was something not all right in the last year where uh, FIA uh, made a secret deal, so we don't know exactly what they found, but. Uh, it was clarified that there was found something that was not in the in the legal area. And so I think the result of it, it can be just a result out of this. And uh, when you look to Ferrari, yeah, they've been one second, nearly one second slower than last year. Uh, but also the other teams with Ferrari engines, you could see that they've been slower than last year, where the other teams was the same or quicker. So we all know that um, there were certain things corrected. And um, I... I love Ferrari, so I don't want... Uh, it looks like they corrected something. It looks like everything is on order. And it looks like Ferrari has a long way to go to be competitive again. Do you think having a base in the UK, Barnard style, John Barnard style, like in your day, do you think that is a route forward for them? Britain always has very competitive people working there what are not prepared to, to go to Italy and... and, and, and bring all the family to Italy, kids to school and so on. So from this point, you're, you're, it's easier to get good people in England in, in a racing business. On the other side, we know Ferrari can have good people in Italy too. Um, it's doable in Italy, but it needs to have one, two, three strong leaders. And I always say, I, I like uh, Matteo Pinotto. He's, he, he was on my car as an engineer already. So nice guy. Also clever guy, also good guy. But when you compare Ferrari with one leading person like Pinotto on the technical side, on the political side, on the race strategy side, and so on. Uh, Red Bull, as example, you have a Christian Horner, extremely competitive. You have an Adrian Newey, genius in his area. You have a Helmut Marko, Shark, having all the motorsport experience. If you take Mercedes, same thing. Andy Cowell, Nicky Lauda, uh, uh, Toto Wolf. Everybody at the same time improving the team, political, technical, and, and whatever. So I'm wondering if the setup of Ferrari is strong enough. It's it, it been always like this. Even when you go back to Ferrari, you had Sean Dodd. Okay, he was politically very clever. He was into Max all the time. He was doing all the stuff with the Japanese on the tire work 
and, and, and a Bridgestone at the time and so on. And you had Ross Braun, fantastic, knowledgeable guy. And you had Rory Byrne, one of the best engineers ever been in Formula One. And you have Michael Schumacher. So you see, it's, it's this group what it needs to really move a team into a championship team. What about the drivers, Gerhard? I mean, Charles Leclerc clearly flying at the moment. Sebastian Lesso. What was your take on his race? It clearly didn't look good from outside. But uh, Sebastian uh, always, you know, we, we, we see Sebastian extremely strong. I rate him. He's four times world champion. He's one of the great champions. He did unbelievable good races. He's a clever guy and so on. But when he has pressure, he, he, he doesn't react always very good. And we've seen this already with Daniel, uh, with Ricciardo at the time. We've seen this last year when things didn't work out. It looks like he started this season also on the wrong feet. But let's see. Also last year, the second half, he'd been quite competitive against Leclerc. Do you think he can get back to his old self? To the you know, I always think of him in 2010 through to 2013, being invincible, running away with races at the front. Do you think we'll ever see that Sebastian again? Uh, difficult in this environment. Uh, Sebastian is working to the optimum when his environment is all set for himself. He, he doesn't like to have competition in the team. He, doesn't, he, he deals with it, but he, he gets the last two tens out of him when he feels he's the king of the team and everybody's behind him and everybody loves him and everybody pushes him. This he cannot find at this stage in Ferrari. No way. Leclerc is the new superstar. He is the future ahead of him. You mentioned one of the uh, new generation there in Charles Leclerc, Gerhard. Uh, we saw Lando Norris, another of Formula One's new generation, on the podium for the first time on Sunday. How highly do you rate him? Does he have podium potential, race winning potential? What can Lando achieve in F1? Yes, racing winning potential, yes. He is one of the three new ones, three new guys, top guys. It's clearly his max. We together with uh, uh, Leclerc. And I would see him also just joining the, the, the club. His material in last year, this year we will see, last year was not on the same level than a Ferrari or, or, or a Red Bull. But he showed already last year that he, he can do really good stuff. And yesterday he did a brilliant race. Good guy. Good boy. Could have been very different for another of the new generation talents in Alex Alban. Uh, in the second Red Bull. What did you make of that clash with Lewis Hamilton? Did you agree with the stewards that it was Hamilton's fault or did you see it more 50-50? Let's say it first this way. He did all right because he he smelled that this could be his days. He'd been in the best position of them. And he knows also, my opinion, that he will not overtake the Mercedes on the straight because they are too fast. So he had to attack straight away not to show Luis too much where he could be dangerous, where he cannot be dangerous. And, and under straight, he can do nothing because he would be just hanging there with fresh tires. Tires would heat up and he would lose this momentum. So I think he did everything right. He braked much later into this corner. He, he, he made his line. Uh, he, he did not any, do any dangerous maneuver. He stayed outside. Of course, to overtake somebody outside, is always uh, a lot of risk. And the guy who could avoid the accident was, was Luis. But, you know, we know Luis is, is highly professional, competitive, and, uh, and uh, it, 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 just didn't, it just didn't let it happen. You know, in, 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 in these days, compared to old days, in old days this wouldn't be a fine 
it would be allowed, but in these days it's it's not allowed anymore when you when you when you you have to give space if somebody is there. So the steward, I think, did what the books told them to do. And there's things where I am struggling a little bit is you know the guy what did not get the fine has a penalty and lost everything. I think this doesn't work together for me. I know when you were racing, I remember in one race for jumping the start, you got a penalty of something like a minute. So it used to be a lot more extreme when you were racing back in the day than just five seconds. Yeah, um, we had from what, from, Canada, I think, was get, the painful yeah. one. Yeah. Gerhard, you've got to let it go. It's, it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still hurt sometimes this one because I wanted it. And, uh, and then to have 60 seconds is a lot. No, you know, it's just the logics behind it. I say, if... If they decided to give to Luis this, this, uh, the photo of this incident, then you have to show also that he, he, he is not better off than the one what, where it was not his fault. The great thing is, we can do it all again this weekend. This double header. I mean, it's an extraordinary situation, not only for the world with the pandemic, but for Formula One to have two races at the same track on consecutive weeks. I mean, Gerhard, how much of a coup is this? for Austria, for Dietrich Mateschitz, the owner of Red Bull? I think worldwide the impact for Formula One, but also for Red Bull, must be enormous. And so it's good for the sport. Everybody says the sport is back. I don't think we had any issue with Corona this weekend, so everything was quite disciplined and, and, and no big deal. And that's exactly the message the world needs. Come back to normality. Gerhard, two quick fire questions to end. Who's going to be the 2020 world champion? What I'm a bit suffering is the reality is that, that Mercedes is half a second quicker than anyone others. And okay, we are here in Austria, but it's anywhere engine circuit. Um, maybe it's not that big in, in the next circuits, but again, we are seeing half a second and that's a lot. I, I wish so much for the fans, for everybody, that we, we see different winners. Even if Mercedes wins the championship in the end, fine for me. But I, I would like to see also some teams outside, outside the teams what can sometimes win the race, like we had in old days. You know, it, it's always something happened. And and and, and but we see we, we need to see again McLaren winning a race, or Williams winning a race, or, uh, Alfa Romeo maybe being on the podium. And and that's something what the sport is missing. We are and can Bottas beat Hamilton? Over, over the duration of a season? I think he needs to try it again. He will try it again. Walter is a, is a very quick guy, consistent quick guy, very nice guy too, perfect teammate for, for Luis, perfect player in, in the Mercedes team. So it, it works really good, this combination. I always say, you know, a lot of people always ask me uh, who, who can be, who, who could be as good as Ayrton? And I always say it, I haven't seen anybody yet, but uh, Luis, yes, Luis is in the same league. Luis is very, is very outstanding. Great to hear from Gerhard there. And you're just reminded, aren't you, when you talk to him, just how much experience that man has in Formula One. His first Grand Prix, Austria 1984, and then he's been just involved all the way through since then, including running his own team, of course, with whom Sebastian Vettel won his first Grand Prix in Italy back in 2008, his idea of how to fix Ferrari, if I've translated what he said correctly, is that they need more than Mattia Bonotto. He kept listing, didn't he, that back in the Schumacher days, it was Ross Braun, Rory Byrne, Jean Todd, and Mattia Bonotto can't do it all on his own. So who's out there? And it makes me wonder, AJ, 
where is Andy Cowell going from Mercedes? The Mercedes engine guy, is he part of the solution, I wonder? Well, that is the department that Ferrari desperately need addressing, given what we've seen in the last race. But there's definitely something in that, isn't there, in terms of the big beasts, in terms of the characters. I mean, it puts it in such sharp relief when he is referring to the Michael Schumacher era and one person who ran the team is now the president of the FIA and the other person is the managing director of Formula One. Yeah, that's big. They're big fish, those guys. I was reminded of what Mark Webber told us on a previous F1 Nation podcast. He believes that a mixture of personalities to harness all the passion that they have at Ferrari, similar thing from Gerhard Berger. So that appears to be a widespread view that Ferrari need to add more personnel, uh, not just with the talent, but the character as well. How many of you, F1 Nation, have bilingual abilities? We're sure many of you do. You're a bright lot. And we're also sure there are some of you out there, like us, who are always keen to learn something new and mastering a new language is always high on that list. Well, Babbel can help you do just that. Babbel is designed to get you speaking a new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons. That's all it takes to help you feel confident speaking in your chosen language. There are 14 different languages to choose from, including French, Spanish, Italian, German, Portuguese, and Swedish. The beauty of Babbel is that it teaches real life conversations. So you learn through interactive dialogue, while its built-in speech recognition technology helps you improve your accent and pronunciation. What's more, the lessons are created by over 100 language experts. Yes, real people. And you can really tell the difference this makes to the learning experience compared to relying on translation machines. With each lesson, you definitely start to feel more confident that you're learning a skill that you can easily take out and put into practice in the real world. Babbel is available as an app or online, so no matter where you log on to a lesson, your progress will be synced across all of your own devices. Right now, Babbel is offering you six months free with a purchase of a six-month subscription with the promo code NATION. Go to babbel.co.uk slash play and use the promo code NATION on your six-month subscription. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot slash play promo code NATION. Well, one of the things we want to do on the brand new Tuesday F1 Nation is look at some of the themes of the races. And you might be looking at the timing pages all weekend long and gone Mercedes domination guaranteed. Well, they had the pace, Tom, but they didn't quite have the reliability. And for more on this, we spoke to Mercedes trackside engineering director, Andrew Shovlin. On Friday, you saw that Valtteri... Um had an issue at the end of one of the sessions. So that, that was the uh, first sign that we, we had a, a problem. We've had recurrent issues over the course of Saturday. And going into the race, we were expecting it because it's a, it seems to be a feature of the model. So, you know, if you at the moment, if we build the car and run it, this problem will appear at some point. It's a question of how soon. It's not manifesting itself as one thing. No, no, they are related. It's basically a buildup of electrical noise um, that starts to interfere with the various systems. So with Valtteri, we saw this around halfway through the race. Got progressively worse with Lewis, it appeared later. But it's, it, it's an electrical noise that's, that's then affecting a lot of different things. People have changed their cars since Barcelona. So there's, there's the opportunity to introduce an issue, 
that may be most prevalent on the power unit side because you know the, the, those are very easy things where you make a change and there's knock-on effects but everyone's wanting to get their best um, chance power unit into the car for the start of the season. Austria is just a really horrible circuit for for the cars. Um, you know, normally you start the season somewhere like Melbourne, and Melbourne's a track where it's very difficult to overtake. And when it's difficult to overtake, you can then, for look after your car, uh, people aren't going to get by. This is a circuit that's actually quite easy to overtake, and as a result, if you don't use the curbs, if you don't push hard you're at risk. So that, that's one of the factors, but it's the curves themselves that are very, very violent. And, you know, you spend a lot of that running on them. And, you know, for us, that was that issue. And it probably doesn't help that the, that the um, you know, it's nearly 30 degrees here. The air's a bit thin, so, you know, it's hot. There isn't as much cooling as you normally get. And all the temperatures inside the car are high. But, it, you know, every year, this is, this is a race of attrition. And, you know, having it as the first race and then having two of them one after the other because, you know, we think we can make some strides to improve some of our problems, but others others aren't going to get better on the same track. So a lot of people, you sort of got a, another dose of, dose of it coming up and, you know, it's a race against time to try and, um, try and make a bit of, bit of headway into those, those complications. There are question marks at Mercedes with the car that is undoubtedly fast, but potentially fragile. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? And um, what are Mercedes doing this week between Austria 1 and Austria 2? They are going to be flat out in their Brackley factory trying to come up with solutions. But as as Shav says in that interview, there's only so much you can do in five days between two races. So I think they are coming to the second Austria race, very wary of reliability. They're going to be telling Valtteri and Lewis to keep off the curbs. I think that's a given. And they're going to be having everything crossed in that race next Sunday to, in the hope that they can get both cars across the line again. So I mentioned at the top of the show, Tom, Lando Norris's journey up through the junior ranks of motorsport to make it to Formula One. He's carried a lot of fans with him along the way who were beside themselves with that last lap. But beyond that, we've caught up with Andrea Seidel, the team principal at McLaren, to talk about how Lando's journey has twinned with the team's progress. To stop the season like that in his only second season in Formula One simply shows also that after his great rookie season that he made the right conclusions also and uh, was digesting last season in the right way together with the team, together with his engineers. He made, a, in my opinion, a great step forward in terms of uh, personality also, in terms of character over, over winter. Probably also adjusting one or the other thing in terms of how to approach a race weekend with the experience he has now. As we all know, it's very important for the confidence of, of, of race drivers also to, to, to create this momentum around them. And so I'm really looking forward now uh, to this season. James Key, as technical director, and his guys, they would say have a, have a good plan for this year in terms of developments we want to bring. There's, there's uh, let's say, good stuff in the pipeline, uh, which we will allow get on the car, uh, let's say, race by race, which is, again, encouraging because I definitely see that we will improve the car. Uh, but, of course, you will be also need to, let's say, balance our resources that we are having with making sure also we work in parallel on next year's car already. The integration of the Mercedes power unit for next year is a, is a, is a big surgery on the open, open heart of such a race car. 
luckily we have some experience in changing power units uh, from the previous years because uh, we did it uh, now several times um, but that, that's the balance we, we have to find at the moment but uh, obviously with the start like like start we had give some extra push and extra motivation to 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 go even beyond the normal limits um, of everyone and uh, yeah so I think we are in, in, in good shape simply important to enjoy these moments also as a, as a team I mean uh, we as McLaren we are not uh, used to to, to to many celebrations let's say in, in previous years so you have to enjoy these moments uh, simply to, to gain even more motivation or momentum from them and uh, then of course from tomorrow morning onwards uh, our center of excellence uh, our engineers um, together with uh, the guys in the garage we go back to go back to work analyze what uh, went let's say not according to the plan um, this weekend because there's always things to do better and to improve but at the same time we still know that we still have a lot to improve if we want to get back to where the, the top guys are. So that was Andreas Seidel, team principal of McLaren. And you can tell he really loves Lando, don't you? Uh, the positivity that Lando exudes is just sort of permeates through the whole team. And even when he came into the press conference after the race, AJ, he was so happy. And there were, everyone from McLaren was standing at the back of the room. They just wanted to be with their guy as much as possible. And there was, there was an awkward moment, actually, because he started talking and he was so enthusiastic, wanting to talk about how happy he was. And we couldn't hear a word he was saying because his face mask, <laughs> his face mask was covered in champagne. So we then had to go and get him a new face mask and McLaren were running around trying to get him one. But that was, uh, it was quite a funny moment. So now we're into totally uncharted territory for Formula One. Now I'm not talking about F1 Nation going out on a Tuesday instead of a Friday. I'm talking about the fact that you're all out there, TC, with nothing much to do. So that's pretty odd because normally there would be a plane journey happening on a, on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday to go to the next place if it was a back-to-back. But never before in Formula One history has everyone stayed put and gone racing at the same place next Sunday. And, and the teams, Alex, are loving it because, of course, there was none of the packing up to be done after the race yesterday. Yes. It was a very calm paddock and uh, all of the teams were back at the hotels by, you know, by nine o'clock. I'm staying in the same place as a lot of the Mercedes guys. And they had a, ma <laughs> they had a massive party. Sorry to let you down, lads, but you did keep me awake until the small hours. Um, <laughs> but they're having a great time because they've got no packing up to do. Anyway, and then everyone will just be hard at it, preparing the cars. And I think I'm going to go back in on Wednesday just to check the lay of the land again. Um, and then check it, it's still there. Check it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for our yeah. good friend Gerhard, see if he's back. And then it all starts again on, on Thursday, doesn't it? Uh, you're doing the same thing again. You're going through every single yeah. driver again. Yeah, yeah. all three and, a half, this time? three and a half hours of it. Wow. So that's my week, AJ. How about you? Oh, I'm afraid you've asked this at the wrong time of year because <laughs> at the start of the season, it's just notes, notes and notes and driver identification. Just going through loads and loads of pictures just to get it in your head because... You don't have time to reference on a sheet, oh, car 24 is. You don't have a chance to do that. You have to know instantly who they all are. And so the perception that you just wing it with no notes, that's not actually true. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it sounds that way, I'm not surprised. But unfortunately, I think it's 97 drivers of which you have to know a little bit about. 
All right. yeah, back so in your box, are. TC. But, and quite literally back in the box for me this weekend. It's really weird. When the cars went out of the pit lane for Formula 3, I was like, oh, wow. I knew I'd missed it, but I really, really had missed it. And one thing, AJ, don't do too much talking over the next few days. Save the voice. Well, this podcast was fun before, but with racing back, it's even better. Thank you so much for listening to this week's F1 Nation. If you leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. If you subscribe as well, you instantly become one of our favourite people. We'll do a mailbag next week. We'll bring you more great guests. But for now, thanks to Gerhard Berger, to Andrew Shovlin and to Andreas Seidel, we will join you once again next week when F1 Nation returns on Tuesday. <laughs>